to take your Bibles this morning and uh, take your, uh, if you have the handout there, let's go ahead and stand this morning for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter number 1, Luke chapter number 1, and I appreciate the song this morning. This morning's message is entitled, A Promise Fulfilled, A Promise Fulfilled. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've made promises to people and I haven't kept them. A lot of times people have made promises to me and they have not kept them. But I know this, God keeps every promise, every promise. And we think about Christmas time this morning, we come back to Luke chapter number one and uh, just let's read a couple verses beginning in verse number 35 this morning. We'll read down to verse number 38. The Bible says, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And I want you to uh, notice this morning in verse number 38. Notice as Mary responds, and in that response she says, Be it unto me, notice, according to thy word. Folks, there's a lot of things in this world that we have put our confidence in only for that to fall through. But one thing that we can put our confidence in this morning is the word of God. According to thy word. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for this morning as we look into the Christmas story, this passage. And I pray that you'd help us to see that Just as you promised, Lord, it came to pass that everything that you've always promised has been fulfilled or will be fulfilled. Thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house as we look into the Word of God. Speak to hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. You know, when I think about the promises of God, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 1, for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And the Bible says yea, that means yes, that every promise of God, I love how that when you read and study the word of God, that you find precious promises. I was reading through a couple things this week, and, and I was curious uh, to, to see if somebody had taken the time to count how many promises there actually are recorded in the Word of God. And I got a variation from 3,300 to 8,000. And honestly, I, w- I would imagine the reason for the variation is because many times it's in the eye of the beholder, but yet God's Word records thousands of promises that he has given to us. I don't know how many of you have ever read a Christian work by the name of Pilgrim's Progress. 
If you've never read it, it would be good reading for you. But as you read it, it is an allegory by Bunyan, and he relates an incident of how the man, the, the lead man in the, in, the, in the story, his name is Christian. Now, you have to listen if you've never read it, because I think you'll understand what he is saying here. He related how Christian decided to leave the main highway and follow another path which seemed easier. But this path leads him into the territory of great despair, who owns Doubting Castle. Eventually, he is captured by giant despair, and he is kept in a dungeon. He is advised, while he was there in the dungeon, to kill himself. The giant said, there's no use trying to keep on with his journey. For, for the time, it seemed as if despair had really conquered Christian. But then, hope which was Christian's companion, reminded him of previous victories. So it came about that on Saturday, about midnight, they began to pray and continued in prayer until almost morning. Now, a little before it was day, good Christian, as one half amazed, broke out in a passionate speech. And here's what Christian said. What a fool am I thus to lie in a stinking dungeon, when I may as well be at liberty, I have a key in my bosom called promise that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then said Hopeful, that's good news, good brother. Pluck it out of thy bosom and try. And the prison gates flew open. You know, folks, we have so many precious promises from God. Christmas time contains, again, one of those precious promises. G. Campbell Morgan said, I believe the promises of God enough to venture an eternity on them. Folks, I wonder if you believe and if you trust in the promises of God. Joshua, in the later end of his years, as he was on this earth, God gave him an opportunity to lead the people of God. And there were times where the people of God, as Christian was tempted to do, take another highway, go a di different direction than God's will for his life. The children of Israel did that many times, and Joshua stood before them and reminded them once again that God has promised them things and that those promises will come to pass. Notice what the Bible says in Joshua 21, 45, there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel, notice all came to pass. Joshua later on also said this, and behold, this day, he says, I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. And here's why. Because God always keeps his promises. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. God will always keep his promises. And if you see in God's word that God has given you a promise, then can I tell you, you can take that to the bank. God will keep that promise. And I want you to see the ways that God fulfilled this promise in the Christmas story. Look in verse 26 of our passage this morning at what the Bible has to say. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God 
unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Notice, first of all, that God fulfilled this promise in the destination known as Nazareth. You see, the Bible says in Matthew 2.23, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, there are, there are times, and here's one of those times, where you see the reference here to the city of Nazareth. Now, if you study it out, Nazareth was a very despised city. No one really said, hey, listen, if there was somewhere that I wanted to move to, I would want to move to Nazareth. This is not a place that people sought after. Matter of fact, in the days of Christ when he was on this earth, the Bible records a conversation between Nathaniel and Philip. And look at the question that was asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's the way many people looked at this city. They looked down upon it. It was despised. The, the Bible talks about how there was a bad feeling about this city of Galilee in verse 52 of John 7, the Bible says, search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. In other words, many believe that it was a place that nothing ever really happened there, that no one of distinction ever lived there, that no one of true importance ever came from the city of Nazareth. But can I tell you that Jesus did? I mean, you think about it, a lot of times you're out driving around, if you're like me, sometimes you pull into a town or maybe even on the highway and you'll see a sign that says, the birthplace of. And people take great pride and stock in the fact that maybe a U.S. president was from this city, but this is the destination that God used to fulfill this prophecy, this promise that he gave, that the predictions of the prophets, that they would come to pass that Jesus would be born of a humble life, that he himself would be rejected like this city known as Nazareth, and that everything about this prophecy was fully accomplished in Jesus being an inhabitant of the city of Nazareth. Look what the Bible says as we think about not only the destination, but we think about this city and how humble it was, how despised it was, but that's also the way people looked at Jesus. Uh, uh, Psalm 22 and verse number 6, look at the Bible says, the description, I, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. Isaiah, many years later, gave a description about the Lord. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. You see, Jesus came from a very humble beginning. But you think about how humble that beginning was and who Jesus became. You see, a lot of times we think about humble beginnings and how uh, things can't be, come out of something so, so small, so little. I, I was reading how throughout history that the first electric light was so dim that a candle was needed to see its socket that you put the light into. I read how that one of the first steamboats, think about this and how things have changed, one of the first steamboats took 32 hours to chug its way from New York to Albany. 32 hours. A distance of 150 miles. 
Wilbur and Orville Wright's first airplane flight lasted only 12 seconds. I'm glad I wasn't on that flight. The first automobiles, how about this, traveled two to four miles per hour and broke down often. Sounds like one of my cars. And then carriages would pass them with their passengers shouting, get a horse, is what they would shout to those cars. Folks, you think about how so many things have such a humble beginning, and Jesus himself had a very humble beginning, but God chose that destination to fulfill the promise that he had given about his son. But notice, not only do we see the promise fulfilled in the destination, but also in the delightful. Look at verse 27 of of Luke 1. The Bible says, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You know, the Bible mentions here a couple times in these verses that Mary found favor. Now, I can tell you this, you can search the scriptures, and the Bible nowhere tells us that we are to worship Mary. The Bible tells us that we are to worship God. But as we look at this uh, individual, this vessel, this choice vessel of God, the Bible says that she found favor. I got to thinking about that phrase there, and I spent some time thinking about how that finding favor with God means that it is demonstrated delight. Demonstrated delight. In other words, it is the tangible evidence that a person has the approval of God. Now think about that. Does your life have God's approval? Because Mary's did. Mary's life was a delightful life. When God thought of Mary, he thought, now there is someone that I can use. And that's what I want of my life. How many of you want God's favor in your life? You know, another word that we use oftentimes, and it's a Bible word, is the word grace. You you find that God's grace is for everyone, and God shows grace or his favor to those that he delights in. Look what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Mary was one who was in favor with God. But can I tell you, Mary wasn't the only one in the Bible that found favor with God. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says about Joseph that the Lord was with him and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. How about Ruth? What a great story. Just four little chapters in the Old Testament. But the Bible records, and of course, it's, it, you start to read the book, and it's, it's kind of a very sad beginning to the book of Ruth. But I love, as the story turns in chapter 2, that Boaz, the Redeemer, said to Ruth, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed and left. 
You see, Ruth experienced the favor of God, the, gr the grace of God. Samuel grew on, and he was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. The Bible says that a good man obtaineth favor from the Lord. And by the way, ladies, that's all-inclusive. Every last one of us, if we live a life pleasing to God, Mary was a delightful person in the sight of God, and because of that, she obtained favor of the Lord. And when Mary heard those words from the angel that she had found favor with God, I believe that Mary was really saying, everything that you have told me about the favor of God, I pray that that is a reality in my life. And again, all of us want the grace of God in our lives. And God used Mary, this one that was a delight to God, to fulfill the promise of the coming of his son. He used the destination, but notice thirdly, and most importantly, God fulfilled his promise in a deliverer. Go back to Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 31. The Bible says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, the son, and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. What is a deliverer? A deliverer is someone that releases, to set free, to rescue, to preserve from imminent danger or death. Folks, listen, we know from the word of God that we are born in our sins, that we have to do nothing to, go, to leave this life and go to a place called hell. We just live and die, and that would be our destination. But God has chosen that none of us would perish, that all would come to repentance, that every last one of us could have a home in heaven with the Lord someday. Jesus came to deliver us, to set us free. Only God could have done that, and that's what Jesus was. He was God in the flesh. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, 21, Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me? A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah said, and it shall be for a sign, and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors, and he shall send them a Savior, and a great one, and he shall deliver them. That's exactly what God has done. God has sent his Son a Savior one that would save us from our sins. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you from God's word that the promise has been fulfilled, that God has made a way that you can have a home in heaven someday because Jesus came to give you eternal life. Look what it says in Acts 5 and verse 31. Him, talking about Jesus, hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Years ago, Martin Luther made this statement 
the life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns. Notice the statements. Luther said it is one thing to say Christ is a Savior. It is quite another thing to say He is my Savior and my Lord. You see, the devil can say the first one, but only a true Christian can testify and say He is my Savior. He is my Lord. And so aren't you glad this morning that God fulfilled His promise by sending a deliverer, by sending His own dear Son? And then I want you to notice the last way that we see this promise fulfilled is that God chose to do it through deference. Look at verse 34, beginning in verse 34. The Bible says, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I don't know if you ever really, maybe, maybe for us guys it would be different. Maybe some of you ladies have ever sat and thought what it would have been like to hear the news that Mary received from that angel, that she was, gonna, she was with child, that this child would be the Son of God. Would we be able to accept those news? I, I know that, that for a moment there, Joseph struggled. What will people think? We're not even really uh, wed in marriage. We haven't yet consummated the marriage. She was a spouse to him. And Joseph, thinking about this whole situation, was minded to put her away privily. But I see here that Mary gives deference. Mary thinks about this whole situation and she, res she resigns herself to the will of God. You know why? Because she had faith in the promise of God. She had faith in the Word of God. Folks, a lot of times I or you may not understand it. But it's not ours to understand, it's ours to have faith in the Word of God. Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. You see, the Bible says, for whosoever shall do the will of God, like Mary, the Bible says the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. The Bible tells us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed how? By the renewing of our minds that we may prove by, by our belief in the Word of God, by our trusting the promises of the Word of God, that it is the good and acceptable. Mary understood this is the perfect will of God. And that's what you and I need to see. The Bible tells us that God's will is that you and I would give ourselves to the Lord first. There in Acts, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 5 that we give ourselves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Hey, listen, it's God's will, according to the word of God, that we are to give thanks in everything concerning Jesus Christ. How about the Bible says in 1 John 2, 17, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth 
forever. Folks, listen, sometimes, just like in Mary's life, God wants to do a work in your life, but you're going to have to learn like Mary did, that you're going to have to give deference. You're going to have to be resigned to, this is God's will. I need to trust God. I don't understand it all, but I just know that if this is of God, then it is something that I need to trust. And one of those things that I see is, is that, as I mentioned earlier, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible records the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. In other words, God keeps His promises. And here is one of those that God would, He's long-suffering to us, word. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, can I tell you, there is not one person, no matter how bad they are, that God wants to see go to a Christless eternity. That's the whole reason that he sent his son, is that they could have a home in heaven someday. I read an account of a, of a, a story about a, a violent hurricane had struck an area, and there were people kind of huddled around when this hurricane hit. There was a pastor there, and with the storm going on outside, the pastor was praying, and he was praying with great oratorical effects in the midst of this violent storm and they overheard him crying out and praying and here's what he was saying send us the spirit of the children of Israel the children of Moses the children of the promised land and upon hearing this there was an older gentleman standing there and the man with less oratory eloquence but he was speaking more directness he prayed in a very simple and practical way and here's what he prayed he prayed, Lord, don't send nobody. Come yourself. This ain't no time for us to go into a theological discussion with your children. We need you right now. And can I tell you, that's what this world, and maybe some of you in here this morning, that's what your greatest need is. We need God right now. We need the Lord to work. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus came because there was a great gulf fixed between God and man that had been the result of sin. But Jesus came and, and died on the cross to span that, that, that gulf so that man could go to God. And we understand that that is the real reason. It's not about a baby. It's about the Son of God as you think about Christmas. And we don't need anybody else right now. What we need is we need God. We need the Lord this morning. You see, everything happened in God's word, just like in Mary's life. It happened according to thy word. And this morning, as we think about this promise, I want to ask you this morning, do you believe it? Do you believe that God fulfilled his promise with that destination? That God fulfilled his promise with the delightful? That God certainly fulfilled His promise by sending a deliverer. And God has fulfilled His promise and will fulfill it to all that will call upon Him. And this morning, would you believe the promise that God has fulfilled? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? And I'm going to ask if you would to just be still for a minute. No one looking around. I just want you to think this morning. I know a lot of times we hear the Christmas story many times. And I've been guilty myself in the past of just letting it just kind of go in one ear and out the other.
But here is a promise that God gave in eternity past. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus coming, God in the flesh, was not plan B. It was always God's plan. And every last detail that God planned happened exactly the way God said it would. Mary trusted that. And if you're here this morning and you've never fully trusted the will of God for your life, maybe this morning God's will is, if you're not saved, that you would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe if you're here this morning and you are saved, that God's will is for you to follow him in what the Bible calls believer's baptism. You see, once a person is saved, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And if you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, then this morning God's will is that you should come and say, Pastor, I want to follow the Lord. I want to be obedient. And if that's the next step in my life because I'm saved, is to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, God will never bless you beyond that if you do not obey him. And if you're saved and baptized this morning, then God's will for you is to be a part of a Bible-believing church because the Bible says they that were received his word were baptized and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And if you're not a part of a church, a church that teaches and preaches God's word, you're missing out on one of the greatest blessings. The Bible says Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. This morning, God's will. What is God's will for your life today? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, then when we begin the invitation in just a minute, I ask you, would you step out? Would you come this morning and say to the Lord, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you to, to forgive me of my sin, to come into my heart and be my Savior. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you are saved, then maybe it would be in the area of baptism. That would be God's will for your life. Maybe it's in the area of church membership. But whatever it is, this morning you need to ask the Lord, God, what's your will for my, my life? And then let's be like Mary. Be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you bless the invitation. Lord, help us as men and women to be obedient, to do your will. Jesus, you came and you sought to do your Father's will. You were about your Father's will. And Lord, I pray that we too would do that which we have been instructed from the word of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.